of Watch Once Never Again, the podcast where we, I guess, decide to traumatize ourselves over the holiday season so you don't have to. Or do it with you. I don't know your life, man. Um, I'm Mary Beth. And I'm Dax. Oh, that was my incredible introduction to today's episode that is coming out on Thanksgiving proper. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, to those who celebrate. Um, hopefully you are having a relaxing Thanksgiving or whoever and wherever you decide to spend it. Before we talk about the movie, I want to talk about Thanksgiving food because it is my favorite topic. Dax, I know you're a vegan. So what do you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, so I'm not vegan. I'm vegetarian. Uh, what the fuck? Why do you think you were vegan? I'm a terrible friend. Probably because I like <laughs> always eat vegan food. But that's probably. I think that actually probably is it. I like figured you were vegan just because you're always eating vegan food, which is fine. Yeah, no, I, I usually tend to go with the vegan option if I'm given that choice. Um, and I like prefer vegan food usually. Like on a Friday, if I'm ordering food, I try to search for like vegan food. Actually. Usually on weekends, like, I take trips to different, like, vegan restaurants and pick up food and bring it back here. Because mm. uh, a lot of the good vegan places are, like, in Asbury, like, Asbury Park or uh, Philly. So it's a okay. little bit. Uh, not Like, Philly's not far, but, like, it's far to go get, like, takeout, you know? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, I'm vegetarian because, like, sometimes I will still eat like normal cheese and like sometimes i'll still eat normal butter and like okay sometimes i'll drink half and half uh but yeah um so on thanksgiving so growing up i didn't really celebrate thanksgiving mm. i remember actually my first thanksgiving was like maybe 10 years ago um i oh. went to a friend's house i actually just texted her today about it and like i ate like all the sides so but the that's like the best part of thanksgiving well let's exactly. be honest here it's like, like tur- turkey is like fine but it's the size that you really give a shit about yeah and like so growing up like sometimes uh my like my dad was a pretty good cook i really didn't eat his food like that because he mostly cooked meat and stuff but mm-hmm. um sometimes he would cook for thanksgiving like he would make um cornbread with like the corn in it oh yum yeah or like uh we would have like mashed potatoes but it wasn't like we celebrated thanksgiving it's just like we you cooked kinda... the food that was like thanksgiving adjacent but, but not you weren't even really like you know how most yeah. people for thanksgiving like cook way too much food yeah it, it was just kind of like you know normal dinner but like sometimes it was thanksgiving food themed if that okay. makes sense yeah, no, that makes sense. It yeah. wasn't like a feast. And we didn't it eat was together yeah. ever. Yeah, so it wasn't. Uh, like, I wouldn't okay. say it was Thanksgiving. But yeah, um, so like I went to my friend's house for Thanksgiving, and I was fully living. So I will actually tell you, like I <laughs> ate so many types of potatoes. <laughs> uh, like, mm-hmm. like I'm a person. If I go to a diner, like sometimes I might get mashed potatoes and French fries. <gasps> Dax, good. I knew that we were kindred spirits. <laughs> the same fucking thing. I love potatoes. I fucking love potatoes. They're objectively the best food. Yes. Like, I think everyone thinks that. And you can and make the best things out of potatoes. Exactly. So, like, I ate, I remember I had mashed potatoes and mm. um, sweet potatoes. 
with like mm-hmm. the marshmallows and them. Oh yeah, that was so good. Never had that in my life before. Um, and we say white people don't have culture. Just kidding. <laughs> Those are that's actually probably actually sweet potato casserole. I think is probably more of a black Southern thing. So never mind. White people don't have anything. <laughs> Yeah, sweet sweet potato casserole is good. I remember I had uh, some type of, like, normally I won't fucks with, like, cranberry sauce or anything, but this, mm-hmm. it was, like, cranberry something. I don't know. Was it, it, was re- really was it like, the relish? It was, like, relish? I really don't remember, because it was, like, ten years ago at this point, but I remember those potatoes, mm. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I will always remember the potatoes. I so many potatoes. And, I, and they had vegetarian stuffing, and that was good. Oh. Oh, yeah, and like, oh, I could probably survive on cornbread if given the chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my uh, my friend's mom like takes in all the strays. We always say. Oh. So like for the past few years, I've gone over there and um, like she she always like asks me like what I want for, like, because they're super Italian, so they don't naturally have vegetarian stuff, usually. Ah, uh, they're like, what the fuck, you don't want meat in any of your stuff? You're like, no. <laughs> Actually, her dad the other day was like, do you guys want me to make, like, veggie... <laughs> do you guys want me to make um, veggie stir-fry or lo mein? And I was like, no. <laughs> for Thanksgiving? Yeah, because he didn't but- know what vegetarian thing to make. <laughs> It was really Why was funny, it stir fried? That's cute. very sweet. It's sweet. Like, wants you yeah. to have food to eat. Oh, what a what a little nugget. I don't. I think like this year we got like uh, vegetarian like turkey cutlets because there's a few other people coming. Because uh, and it's you're at the same friend's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all oh. going there because like for whatever reason, like they're not gonna be with their families. Yeah. So. Where I know, like, her her house, like, I never had this before, um, but they have, uh, they always have twice-baked potatoes. Do you know what that is? Oh, I do. Is that, like, that a common sh- thing? I don't know how common it is, but that shit's incredible. Oh, I would die for it. Those are so good. Anyway, what are you going to eat? You're not vegetarian or vegan, right? I am not. I am just full on eat everything in my face. Um, so Thanksgiving is pretty. I love Thanksgiving with my family because my parents are chefs. So I always brag about that because Thanksgiving is always like rad as hell. Like they used to make duck confit stuffing and shit like that. Like wait, the, where the is this? My my parents. My parents make it. Wow, that's they're chef, they're both yeah, they're both chefs, and so like. The, and the best thing was it's fancy, but then they would get the shit for free from work because things were going to go bad or they had too much. So we would get like duck and foie gras and fancy shit, but just because like they were leftovers that were going to go bad. So we always had like the fanciest Thanksgivings. But no um, leftovers. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, this foie gras is going to go bad. And we're like, oh, damn it. Let's eat it at home. Like it was you know, stupid shit like that where, like, people, I've never had foie gras. I'm like, what do you mean you've never had foie gras? Like, who the fuck ever has foie gras as a child? Like, I just, like, had, I was lighted like a lucky, you know, having parents that are chefs is kind of a hard thing. But there were some, there were some pros. Um, but this year, 
we are it's like a smaller thanksgiving um which is fine with me which means more food but because my mom works in a restaurant and they do like they do um thanksgiving dinners for people to pick up <laughs> she's just gonna bring basically a thanksgiving dinner that she makes at the restaurant for our, all of our sides which includes mashed potatoes which is my all-time favorite mashed potatoes full of butter and garlic that is my fucking favorite mm-hmm. thing um and then green like garlic green beans my mom's green beans are incredible what else do we have uh turkey i i don't i love so tur- i always have the turkey leg i've i've always gotten the, the leg of the turkey since i was a little kid it's my favorite part of the turkey um is there a reason because I, I don't i don't be knowing about like turkey at all uh i just I, it's dark meat and i like dark meat better than white meat and Wait, I, also, I don't know what dark meat and white meat is either <laughs> i'm sorry uh <laughs> How do I fucking describe it? Does it taste different? Kind of, yeah. So, like, dark meat's, like, heavier. And Mm. it's, like, you eat it off the bone, usually. It's, like, what chicken chicken wings are. And then white meat is, like, the the fillets and the, like, breast meat and stuff that you get. So, dark meat's typically, like, on the bones. So, I, like, yeah. And it's usually a little bit tougher. It's not as tender as the white meat. But I think it's juicier, depending. Okay. Uh, I might be full of shit, but that's just how I think of well, I wouldn't know, meat. so I'm just going <laughs> to believe you. Um, I, I've just always... So it's funny because I love the turkey legs because I used to go to the Renaissance Fest... I, when I went to the Renaissance Festival in Maryland, I'd always get a, a smoked turkey leg there. And so I just loved the turkey legs there because of the experience. So then I always wanted to have them at Thanksgiving. Those always look really good when I was a kid. I never, I never had one because I, I became vegetarian when I was like ten. Ah, okay. So yeah, they're fucking delicious. They're like incredibly disgusting, delicious pieces of meat. Um, They're too big. Oh, they're ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous. Uh, But do you finish it? Is it meant Uh to be finished? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh psh. They should make a vegan one, and I'll eat it. What would that even look like? I don't know. Probably like the same ish. I mean, I guess, like, I mean, more like, what would they make it out of? Maybe soy. mm, But yeah, I loved, I, I don't usually like turkey, but on Thanksgiving, especially when it's like, my mom, like, does the whole thing where she puts the herb butter between the skin and the meat and, like, massages it in there. All, all nasty. Um, Okay. Fancy. Yeah. She, like, I used to usually help her, like, stuff this herbs under the skin so you get, like, a delicious, crispy, flavorful situation. Um, and then, um, I am responsible for making pies this year. How many do you make and what kind? So I am in charge of the, the French silk pie, which is the chocolate Mm. pie, which is my fucking favorite. So I will be making that tomorrow before I go over there because it's got to set overnight and I have to go grocery shopping still and please pray for my ass going to the grocery store. Oh, I pray. Thanksgiving. My job is always to pick up all the desserts too, so that's funny. Mm, I love, yeah, I love baking and I love the desserts. And then we're also bringing booze, but that's my family. So yeah, that is Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm super excited. I own oh, stuffing. I love stuffing, so I'm super excited for stuffing. Stuffing's good. And so let good. me say this, uh, because they're Italian, and usually they have like a lot of family there. They have like seven cakes. 
plus other <gasps> desserts. Whoa, the best. Yeah. And, like, it's my job to pick up all the cakes and desserts. So, um, as a... I would... There's two things I'm a slut for, I would say. Okay. Uh, butter. Okay. And cake. <laughs> mm-hmm. You told um, me this about cake. You've told me the cake thing. I will fully... Okay, I hate parties and stuff, but I will fully go if there's going to be a good cake. <laughs> Didn't you tell me you only go to you like going to weddings because you'll get cake at the wedding? Yeah, that me. I love I cake. Like it. Uh, but I I really don't eat like homemade stuff like that. So like homemade cake is usually out. But like a a cake from a bakery, I'm there. I'm coming. Like I'll go to your <laughs> event. I'm on my fucking way. <laughs> yeah. So as a cake slut, um. I do now look forward to Thanksgiving at their place because just a little sliver of every cake, you know? That's And that's the fucking best part because at Thanksgiving, there's so much food and that means you have to try everything. And it's just like, there and like, there's so many desserts all the time. Like, when are you ever presented with three different kinds of fucking pie? And then you're like, well, I have to eat all of it and you have to try them. So that's a to Tuesday eat. for me. You get to eat so much pie. I just don't have a lot of pie in my house at any given moment. What was that? I don't just don't have a lot of pie in my house at any given moment, but maybe I should fix that. Maybe I should just make pie more often. Maybe. I don't really usually eat a lot of pie like that. I, yeah, I'm a cherry I don't, pie person, though. Yeah, but I, like, I like cakes, and I also really like, like, I like cookies and brownies. Like, that's my shit. And I really like making bread. I make really good bread. I make really good focaccia. We are going off the rails. I'm like not even talking bread. about Thanksgiving. Oh, I make the <laughs> best focaccia for like a for a potluck the other day, and it was fucking incredible. That sounds and like it, a lot of work. It is, but it's really worth it because it tastes so fucking good. And it's like I used to be kind of like uh, intimidated by making bread, but if you do it while you're like watching something or doing other shit like throughout the day. Like, it's a mm-hmm. fun thing to do on, like, a Saturday when you're cleaning your apartment or whatever. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, let it let it rise for an hour and a half. I'll go clean something. And then come back and then put it in the oven. So. I don't have the patience you... for baking, I don't think. Fair enough. I, I just can't. I, I'd prefer to just cook. I'm, I'm, I used to be a pretty good cook. Now, like, since my OCD, like... Mm-hmm. has been pretty bad uh over the pandemic as you could probably guess um cooking takes so much like it has so many steps for me because like if i touch anything like i have to wash my hands and it's just a nightmare so uh, i haven't really been doing it okay. as much but okay. normally i'm a pretty good cook and i used to really love doing it like to de-stress so i guess similar to you with baking yeah ye that's how I de-stress is bacon, baking. No, bacon. Bacon. <laughs> bacon. Just mm. shoving bacon in your face. <laughs> um, um, well, I'm glad we covered that. Me too. I, I think it's a very it's a very important topic and it's my favorite topic and I love Thanksgiving because I love cooking and I love eating in a nice cozy environment. Because last Thanksgiving was goddamn terrible, so I'm excited to have a good Thanksgiving this year. Well, you know who else had a terrible Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> Is it Cresha? 
<laughs> yes. Her whole family. Her, she and her whole fucking family had a horrible Thanksgiving. If only there were a movie about it. If only there was a movie about it. Oh, wait. There is. <laughs> uh, we didn't come here just to talk about cakes and pies we and breads. We did not. Unfortunately, no. But let's just... <laughs> Baked once, never again. A spinoff podcast where we try really hard recipes. That reminds me that someone said that we have major stoner energy. Wait, Did really? You... Yeah. Um, who was that? I'm sorry that was it. Um, the stitching, the uh, you know, what I'm talking about. Oh, per pure. Oh, um, Perina, per Perina stitch. Yes, Jesus. yes. I'm so sorry. It's hard to say her name out like her or their at out loud. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know why I, it wasn't coming to me. I'm like looking. I can see their page, but um, I believe it was they who said we have major stoner energy, <laughs> well, which is, is interesting. I, I don't I'm not a stoner. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I am. Myself. So <laughs> I am a stoner. So. Well, good. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love going on. So, should we so, yes. get into it? We should. So, you have brought with you today the 2015 film Cretia, directed by Trey Edward Schultz. Yeah, Trey Edward Schultz. Um, and this was your pick. So, you get the honor of reading the synopsis of this film. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll normally I feel like I tell why I picked it before we get into the synopsis, but I think I'll read it and then we can talk about like why on earth would I pick this movie and why is it disturbing? Because maybe for some people it isn't, but I think for most people it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so once again, Wikipedia, thank you. It says, Cretia, a troubled woman in her 60s with a history of addiction, has been estranged from her family for many years. Her son, Trey, was raised by her sister, Robin, for larger parts of, for large parts of his life. Cretia has recently told her relatives that she is now reformed and sober and that she wants to visit on Thanksgiving Day and cook dinner for the whole extended family. All that is implied. The movie starts with Cretia arriving at her sister's large house where many family members are gathered and greets them all warmly. Cretia attempts to reconcile with Trey, expressing a desire to be part of his life again. He's cold and defensive. This actually skipped a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but whatever. Um, Cretia attempts to reconcile with Trey, expressing a desire to be a part of his life again. He's cold and defensive refusing even to look at her as she attempts to coax a reaction out of him. He resists and leaves. As the day progresses, it becomes clear that the family has clashing opinions of Cretia. While some, like Robin, believe Cretia has turned her life around, others, including her brother-in-law Doyle, remain skeptical and deride her assurances that she's sober. On Thanksgiving morning, Cretia's elderly mother arrives and is introdu introduced to the newer members of the family. Although... She is forgetful. She remembers each of the family members by name. Upon being greeted by Cretia, however, she becomes confused and seems unable to remember her clearly. Cretia is visibly upset by this. As the day progresses and she sees her son's closeness, 
closeness to her sister's family, Cretia starts to secretly return to her bathroom to abuse alcohol, prescription drugs, and illegal drugs in an attempt to cope. When it is time to remove the roasted turkey from the oven, she's drunk and out of control. She spills the roasting tray, and the perfectly roasted turkey lands heavily on the kitchen floor. Most of the family- I'm sorry. I love how they said perfectly roasted. How the fuck did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, it has an internal temperature of 165. <laughs> um, uh, she spills the roasting tray, and the perfectly roasted turkey lands heavily on the floor. Most of the family is horrified and tries to help Cretia up from the floor and salvage the meal. Doyle only looks on and laughs. Cretia sobers up, watching home videos Robin has of Trey as a child. Waking from a stupor, she rings her boyfriend and leaves him a furious voicemail telling him that she relied on him for support and that he abandoned her when she needed him. She then uh, goes downstairs to find the rest of the family enjoying a toned-down version of Thanksgiving dinner without her. Robin refuses to allow her to join the table and takes her out of the room. Robin laments the fact that Cretia lied about her sobriety, telling Cretia that she defended her when other members of the family didn't want to invite her at all. Later, after looking through Trey's room and finding a bottle of vodka, a distraught and increasingly unhinged Cretia interrupts dinner once again, demanding that Trey tell her he loves her. When Robin asks her to leave and Trey disowns her, the argument escalates and becomes violent, with Cretia breaking silverware and attacking Robin as she's removed from the house. The film ends with an abrupt shot of Cretia looking into the camera, trying and failing to hold back tears. The end. Which, um, I wouldn't describe the ending that same way, but I guess we'll get to it. Yeah. I wouldn't either. And what also... Well, never mind, we'll talk about it. But why did you pick this movie, Dax? I just think that this is, like, a brilliant piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, I really love it. And I know this is odd to say, but I do watch it every year around Thanksgiving. And it's not that it's it's not a comfort movie. Like, uh, it's just... It's so unsettling. It's so sad. Um, but something makes... It just, like, draws... It, like, calls to me every year. I don't know. I Like, I can't look away from it, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's one of the most poignant movies I've ever seen about addiction because it's not about active addiction. It's about trying really hard to hold on to sobriety in a really intense environment that maybe she wasn't ready for, but she thought she was. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think maybe that's why it's just so different in that way. Cause you normally, when you see movies about addiction, they're in active addiction in some way, but, um, this one's sad in a different way. Yes. She really tries. Well, and, like, the movie doesn't tell you she's an a, an addict, really, until you see her break sobriety. Like, like you... The movie's described as being... A, like, obviously, they say that she is an addict, but you don't really... They don't really say anything about alcoholism or addiction 
until and it's like alluded to you kind of get that vibe but then you really see it when she finally opens that bottle of wine and like that really hits where you're like oh no okay so this is like 100 percent confirmation of what's been alluded to the whole time is that she's trying to stay sober right yeah they just hint at it like so when she's talking to doyle she's like um my prescriptions are all legal now believe it or not yeah you know and it's like a joke but you know it's serious well, and so that actually, that conversation really stood out to me this time. And there, because there's this conversation. So Doyle is her brother-in-law. And I was getting confused about who was married to who and who lived in what the house. Because this is only the like, second time I've seen this movie. So I was trying to remember, like figure out who the fuck was who. Because there's so many people in this movie. And like a lot of them like aren't really talked to. So it's like, who the fuck are all these like people? And how are they related to anybody? Yeah. But... So Doyle is her brother-in-law, married to one of her sisters. I think it was the older one with the curly hair. Mm -hmm. Is that the sister he's married to? Yeah. But they're having this conversation out back where they're smoking cigarettes together. And it starts off as this, like, very kind of, like, fucked up but funny conversation about the dogs and, like, marriage and stuff. And, like, they're both laughing. And then this conversation, but it's told non-linearly, too. It's cut throughout like the beginning part of the movie it's not all one conversation because it starts off like kind of funny and joking and then cuts to her cooking cuts back to the conversation as it starts getting more hostile and it happens i think two or three times where like it cuts to this conversation as it goes further and further downhill where he's just like you are a miserable person and like do you know what i've sacrificed whatever like it's like it's really intense and it sets up Doyle as a very different character as what you see, what he's introduced as in the beginning. And I just, I didn't pay attention to that conversation as much the first time and didn't, I don't think I really understood like what was, like, what was going on. And I think this time I watched it, I appreciated the kind of non-linear way of the storytelling. Like mm-hmm. there's a pretty clear timeline, but it's muddled in parts. Like you kind of know, like when she gets there, when she's cooking, when she's drinking, but it's all those three parts are muddled together, which I think is fascinating. The way that he plays with time and kind of perception of time. I agree. Yeah. I, I like that the entire film, like from the score to the camera work, uh, to like the jumping in time and everything is just a reflection of her brain. Oh, the score. Like, again, clocked at this time. So before I say that, I will preface this by saying the first time I saw this, I didn't really like it. I don't know why. I don't think I paid enough attention to it. This time, I I love it even more than I did. Like, I love it. So I'm glad I revisited it because I think I got more of the intricacies this time around. Mm. I don't know why I didn't the first time, but here we are. Um, The score if you can even call it one at the beginning, it's just like these weird plucking sounds and it's so like plucking and like beeps and it's chaos. But to me, it reminds me of when I am really anxious and what I feel like my brain sounds like a little bit, like when there's a lot of chaos around me or I having a lot of anxiety and she's, she is in this incredibly chaotic environment where she is trying to figure out, like she's trying to cook dinner for everybody, but she hasn't been around these people in forever. She's estranged from everyone. Her son's not talking to her and she's just thrown herself into this chaos, like very suddenly. And the score is just this like cacophony of weird staccato noises that does not, it goes on for a really fucking long time. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of plays throughout the entire like 
like throughout the whole movie uh, until she opens the bottle of wine. And then it cuts to lyrics. Then music starts making sense, which I was like, it's like a pretty obvious choice, but I really enjoyed that kind of going from the staccato noise to all of a sudden everything is a song and like smoother in her head. Like, again, this movie really plays with what her mental state is and the sounds of that mental state. Yeah, I've I've always loved, like, the score is one of the first things I ever noticed about it. I think that's a lot of the times one of the first things I notice about a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a weird... It's like a weird amalgamation. It's like, like you said, there's a bunch of like beeping and like household like tactile noises. And then there, there's like jazz, like riffs and beats also. And yeah, behind all of that, like this isn't just like a, a normal house, like where she's going. Like it's a huge echoey house where there's what? 15 people. Yeah. Uh, yelling running around uh talking really loud there's nine dogs plus her dog so 10 dogs like all barking and running around and playing there's a baby um it's just so much and she's just overstimulated so and that's what that's what the score sounds like it sounds like being overstimulated and you don't know where to focus your attention and uh you you don't know really what's going on like you're you're kind of new and like we're we're experiencing all this along with her like for the first time and it's like the whole movie is structured so that you can fully understand her perspective but also get the insights of the other people so like talking about that conversation with Doyle you know I think that it's it's non-linear in the sense that it's broken up, but I think that it's linear in hit, in the way that the conversation happened. Um, because he starts out, like, laughing and, and joking, and you can tell that that's kind of their rapport normally. Um, but he is harboring resentment towards her because she disappeared for 10 years. And... It, he, I think that he's trying to make light and then it just, he can't hold it back anymore, you know? And yeah. it's, I mean, you know, uh, we talked about it in the first uh, episode of this series. When you, when you have someone in your life who's experiencing addiction, I think it's normal to harbor resentment towards that person. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard it's hard not to cuz like it's really hard not it's to it's really hard not to because you want to understand and be understanding and like know that it's an illness but at the same time it's like when i was younger at least with people like my family members who were addicted i was like why can't you just get better and like i know it's not that simple 100% but it was like right. it's so hard not to fall into that mindset sometimes when you're so frustrated especially when you don't understand it when you're younger it's just so hard to like conceptualize of it and like what it means for anybody really who's not in active addiction yeah and it seems like Doyle probably doesn't have much experience with it outside of like Cresha and her family so he's just mad 
and he can't like hold it back and he can't hide it. And yeah. I think that while you're getting his perspective, you're also still in her brain and you can see that she's trying to like stay cool. Cause she's like, um, she is trying, I guess to be a, like, I think she thinks of herself as a laid back hippie, but obviously yes. she has really bad anxiety. Yes. So she's trying to stay cool, but like she's getting upset, obviously, because he's like berating her. You know. Yes. Yeah. So I I I like that about this movie where every single facet is just like uh, exploring her mindset, but you can also still get what the other characters are going through, like their perspectives. I guess because their perspectives are largely based upon their feelings towards Kresha. Well, I also don't feel like this movie tries to necessarily make you like Kresha either. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting access to her perspective, but it's not trying to be, like, defend her. You know what I mean? Instead, it's more like a look. It's like a... It's like a fly on the wall-y situation where it's a little bit more like cinema verite, like showing you the situation, but not, but trying to like remove any kind of judgment from it against her or her family, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. That's exactly how I see it too. It's like, it's trying to get you to understand, not necessarily to defend. Exactly. Like, it's like a... You don't have to agree, but at least, like, see where she's coming from and, like, under, like, look in the complexities of what it means to, like, have an addiction. And even if you are in, even if you are not an active addiction, you're still an addict and it's not that easy just to stop. And, like, maybe she shouldn't have, and by maybe, I mean, she really just threw her fucking ass into a situation that I don't think any, any person is ready for. As And if... She's so freshly sober, like, good God. You would think someone would have been like, Krisha, I don't think so. <laughs> but again, would she have listened, I guess, is probably another. It's like, uh, no matter who you are, if you have anxiety, whether you're an addict or not, that environment is not ideal for you. No, so to add not that even a extra little component, bit. Yeah, like adding that extra component of uh, new sobriety is like, uh, you know, good luck to you. On top of that, she's going to cook the whole goddamn dinner. Yeah. And it, not only the whole goddamn, first of all, did you see any sides or only a turkey? Because I, I only saw turkey. the turkey. I was trying to clock the sides too, but it was like the guy, that karate dad made himself a, made himself a, a smoothie and then the, the turkey. A great combo. <laughs> Classic combo. <laughs> Classic. Um, oh, but yeah. she's like, she she throws herself into the situation with all of these people she hasn't seen in forever. Everyone is like, you can feel everyone staring at her and like kind of like waiting for something to happen. And it's like, who wouldn't fucking crumble in that scenario? Like Thanksgiving is such a chaotic thing if you have a big family in the first place. Like, mm. good Lord. Um, but oh, that actually the, reminded me. They're all oh, walking good. on eggshells around her. Yes, they are. Which They're adds like, she on walk, anxiety. They walk and they Kresha, oh my god. And it's like that very kind of like phony greeting of people and like trying to act like everything's cool. 
and like look she's yeah. here wow so exciting but it's just like you know the vibe like the vibe is so off well that's it it's like it's even beyond that it's like they obviously don't want to say the wrong thing around her so yeah. they're like very careful about what they're saying and it's off-putting it's not like it's a comforting thing that they're doing they're they're being really off-putting by like uh almost babying her yeah like her sister robin does that yeah like very much like trying to keep the status quo to the to the point of it being absolutely fucking obnoxious because they don't want to trigger her no they and they don't want there to be any issues yeah exactly like that's always how it goes like if you're trying not to trigger somebody so obviously like it's they're gonna they can tell guys like we can tell (laughs) like don't be weird (laughs) but the one thing that i was also like really thinking about when the um like the family is being shown is that it's incredibly aggro like male masculine aggressive Oh like, yeah. Have you like I didn't clock that the first time I saw it and there's like a lot of the boys like arm wrestling and then like spring each other with a hose and wrestling in the yard and like there're all these weird asides that are just like little vignettes of the other members of the family just like being members of the family but it's very like got some very aggressive masculine energy that is very weird and I don't know what to think of it and I was wondering if you've clocked that before and thought about it. I clocked it, but I didn't really give it much thought. I kind of was just like, uh, maybe this is what cisgender, like, young 20s guys do, like, on Thanksgiving. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a family. So. <laughs> uh, well, as, as someone who has a family of people that have gathered a lot for Thanksgiving, that shit has never happened. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I I've had... Know. I don't... It's... It just seemed like a pumped up, like, watching football, like, environment. Like, oh, we're waiting for the big game. And, or, or, but, like, it, the it, big game yeah. is on. <laughs> well, like, they did that, but then, like, the arm wrestling thing and, like, the, the, like, shirtless wrestling in the backyard, too. Like, it was just really fascinating. And the more I think about it, the more I'm, like, you know, perhaps assigning too much of, like, a film person's, like, like perspective to it but it's like the like Krisha is like trying so hard to hide any of her emotions about anything and then these guys on the opposite are having these like explosive emotions and it's just like a like this interesting tension between like who is allowed to show emotion and when like and yeah that's an interesting take like thinking about that and like the role of the women in the household and how, like, you always see the women or, like, the main women in the kitchen and these guys outside, like, playing sports and, like, yelling at each other. And it just, like, and the interesting kind of dynamics that also like, pop up in a household during Thanksgiving, too, maybe? Like, when these family members come together? I don't know. I Maybe I'm just full of shit. But I've just been thinking about that particular aspect a lot for some reason. Hmm. It's interesting to think about. I never really gave it much thought, though, because I was just like, oh, they're, like, young guys. Like, maybe that's just what they do when they're all together, like, arm wrestle and for some reason watch porn together. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> didn't That didn't really get that. I don't know. <laughs> that's weird on many levels because they're also yeah, related. Yeah, and, like, they're sitting on the parents' bed. 
like eating snacks and like just casually discussing porn together it's like two separate beds i think they were watching that show cat house because they like they're like would you go there uh would you pay like this much you know do you remember that yeah yeah no i do not actually I i think it was like an hbo show or something and it was about the um i think it's called the bunny ranch in oh okay yeah 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 Yeah. i think that's what they were watching fun fact don't ask me how i know (laughs) i i i'm fast i'm very curious how you know that deep research deep (laughs) um and but it's interesting though thinking about those guys because Trey is with them. So Trey Edward Schultz, the director, he wrote, directed, and edited this movie, which props to you, mama. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, but he's also, he's in this movie. He plays himself. Um, he is, in fact, Trey, her son. Yeah. Kreisha's son. Well, he, he doesn't play himself. He plays Yeah, he plays the character of himself. Trey, who is also a filmmaker. <laughs> In business school, though. In business school, though. And Kreisha, uh, Kre- the the titular Kreisha is his mm-hmm. is Trey Schult- Trey whatever it was, aunt in real life. Yeah. So almost everybody in this movie is either related to him or a friend of his. There are only mm-hmm. two actors in this movie. Uh, well, Kreisha, uh, the person who plays Kreisha is named Kreisha Fairchild in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe she's take she's done like some acting, not a whole ton. Um, but it but she is related to him in real life. Uh, so I guess she's like an actor. Yes. She just had a movie come out. Um, yeah, I find out what that's called. Hold on one second. I'm sorry, I didn't think about it. You're good. It is called Freeland. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's in Waves. I didn't know that. Um, I don't know either. Yeah, so um, good for her, first of good all. F- good for her. We stan. We do. Uh, there are only two actors, though. So <laughs> I believe um, the person who plays Doyle... Uh, mm-hmm. Bill Wise, I don't think is related to him or a friend. He's an actor. And I think that uh, the the man who plays his father is an actor as well. Uh, Chris Dubeck, he plays Dr. Becker, a.k.a. Karate Doctor. Karate Doctor! Which, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that was karate until like this time watching it i thought he was just weird (laughs) like i thought he just like did that for no reason and then i caught this time after like my fifth or sixth watch uh his wife saying like why don't you like do some karate to make yourself feel better why don't you go do your karate i texted dax that i was like why don't you go i was just like i was dying because like there's always like random little asides that go on in this movie that like 
they're just chatting the two of them together for like a moment to make and he's like checking on her to make sure she's okay with her sister being there and they're talking about it and then she just goes why don't you go do some of your karate to make you feel better and it just cracked me the fuck up like it's just so fucking funny yeah that that it always makes me laugh when he does like the kick and punch thing but i didn't know i didn't know that was karate because i don't really i guess know what karate looks like well also like what he's doing is i don't i wouldn't call it karate it's mostly just a guy who looks like he's just having an an aggro moment punching the air (laughs) well that's the thing so every time i watch this movie i'm like why is he holding his hands like that if he's punching? Because, like, I'm used to, like, a boxing stance mm. where you're protecting your face. I'm like, what? that seems like it would just hurt you, like, in many ways. But, it's just, no. It's just, his, it's just his calming karate. It's so funny. Self-soothe with karate. <laughs> I guess that adds to your theory about, like, the aggro male environment. Yeah, it's just, like... I feel like the women are just tiptoeing around their feelings so much in this movie until like the very end when Jesus, Mary and Joseph, it blows the fuck up. But like the, a lot of it is t- like the women are, is, are really trying around each other, just like trying to be civil and pretend that everything's okay. And like, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's something there. I don't have it fully formed yet, but there's something fascinating going on. Like with that dynamic in the household. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, think about that because I guess I never really like processed it in that like framing. Yeah. Or I'm full of shit. I mean, like, who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. Wouldn't be I don't the first know. Time. It's possible. I think Wouldn't that this might just be time. how they are. That's fucking weird if that's how they are, though. <laughs> I don't know. Because this is... Um, I don't want to get too into it since I don't know that many details, but so I have been championing this movie for literally years, like since I saw it the -hmm. first time. And um, if you tweet about this movie, Kreisha Fairchild will tweet back. Um, And she's a delight also. Um, Mm. So she... I wrote a piece on this um, that you edited. I did! Yeah, and uh, it's on film cred, so you can go read that. Um, it's talking about uh, just, like, trying to remain sober during the holidays and um, addiction, pretty it's a much. Really good, it's a really good personal essay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um yeah, so she messaged me, and uh, we were just talking a little while. And I had talked to her before, um, like, years before, just because I fucking love this movie. And, like, I was like, you're fucking amazing. Uh, but this time, she was telling me more about, like, the backstory for this movie. And, like, oh. it's sort of based on, like, not a totally true story. But a very similar story. Oh, really? Yeah, hold on one second. Um, yeah, so 
this movie is based on a real relative of Trey, uh, of Trey's. Uh-huh. And um, unfortunately, she did pass. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and without going into too much detail, because, you know, this is their family. And obviously, this is a really deeply traumatic thing that they were processing. I mean, this movie is <laughs> evidence of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something similar happened to an extent, um, a family member relapsed like on a holiday, uh, when everyone was there. Yeah. So, um, I, I hope I got that like correct. Um, so, uh, that's why I think maybe they're just like that. Like maybe that's just how his family is and they're just a little aggro. Um, and I guess good for them as long as they're not like, too aggro. <laughs> good you know? for them. Yeah. Maybe I just don't understand men. <laughs> I mean, hey, like, <laughs> uh, sorry. Maybe I, I just don't. I don't get it. No, I, I'm, I'm agreeing because I find it. Well, this is this doesn't this is for a different podcast, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I find it really difficult to relate to cis men a lot of the time because I just wasn't uh, socialized that way. I, d- I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> Ask me about Project Runway. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Why are we grabbing each other like this? I'm really confused. <laughs> why are we touching each other in the backyard half naked? Or why are bro- you constantly calling me chief or big guy or I, I like... Don't. Next time someone says, I've decided next time someone calls me chief, I'm going to be like, was that racist? <laughs> See what happens. Oh my God. That would be incredible. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, what's next? Uh, what is next? Uh, well, okay. Um, so... Well, there's two th- there's two things that I'm thinking about. The first one is when there's like this added layer of absolute sadness with their mom, Gigi, uh. who is brought who is brought there uh, probably I'm assuming from like assisted living, a nursing home, and she has it seems like she has some form of dementia or memory loss because she doesn't remember who Krisha is, and she you know does that kind of she just doesn't seem like she's like kind of all there, but she is there. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But that whole introduction is really heartbreaking. Just one, because Robin, the sister, is being very babying. And for some reason, that puts my like my teeth on edge, especially with older people. Like when you talk to an older person like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just makes me feel like I never want to get old ever in my life because I never want to be treated like that. Um, anyway, I don't want to get old. Um, but that's a whole other. And again, that's something for another podcast. <laughs> but it she adds this whole other layer of like intergenerational stuff. But then the worst part is when Krisha go is like, has her first breakdown and at the dinner table, the mom goes, Krisha, come back. Oh, uh, I know. Or when and she that... first sees Krisha and she's like, what did I, she doesn't even say hi. She oh, she, what did I do? Cause, cause she's crying. Cause Krisha's crying. And she immediately is like, Oh my God, like, why are you crying? What did I do? And Krisha's like, Oh, you didn't do anything. And it's just like, Holy shit. Like, the things that you miss out on when you are in active addiction. And it's so fascinating because it's shot from far away. Like, you're not kind of in their faces when this is happening. 
the camera is like by the front door and you're seeing this all kind of happen from a long shot. So you're a little bit more detached from it. So you're just really observing this moment more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's just heartbreaking. Like you're, you're again, the neutral kind of observer standpoint there. Like you're not really seeing from one person's perspective or the other, but you're just seeing this like really kind of crushing reunion where Krisha's realizing like what has happened to her mom since she's been out of everyone's lives for so long. What, like 10 years, I think it is. Yeah. And it's one of the only instances where it's sort of like an objective view because normally yeah. the camera is literally following like where Krisha's eyes are. So yeah. if, if she's walking in a circle, we are also walking in a circle. If she is looking at something and then Trey walks by and she darts her eyes at Trey, that's what the camera does. Yeah. Which I, I love the camera work in this. But yeah, um, it's actually interesting because uh, that scene where she first sees her mom, um, I I guess I've always seen it differently. Like you said that Krisha was crying, so her mom asked, what, what did I do? And I always thought that she was asking that because Krisha went away for 10 years. I I never caught that Krisha was crying. I thought the mom was just like, what did I do? Like, why did you leave? Oh, Jesus. I didn't, yeah, I didn't read it like that at all. I read it as, like, she saw Krisha was crying and was like, oh, my God, like, why are you crying? And, t- and like, took the blame because she doesn't remember what's going on. I, Both equ- equally yeah. tragic interpretations of that moment. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think that yours, yours probably is the truth like that's probably actually what happened because um she goes into how she could never please her own grandmother or like her own does she talk about her own mother or her own grandmother uh, i can't I, remember yeah I, it doesn't actually matter but she yeah. is like oh i could very seldom please her and then Krisha's just increased getting increasingly upset and removes herself from the conversation eventually to go cry um so that's interesting yeah i'll have to go back that's that's the other thing like a lot of the times for me having seen this many times i will catch something new every time i rewatch well it's like very complex what's like what's going on like it's a pretty simple story but like the way that it's shot and the way that the characters are created, especially Krisha, like it's super complicated. It's much more complicated than just like a simple, a woman goes home trying to stay sober over the holidays and things go wrong. It's just like much deeper than that, which I appreciate. Yeah, same. Um, And then the other thing that I was thinking about was her conversation with Trey, where she's like, hey, let's go catch up upstairs. Mm-hmm. And she, like, want, but, like, she's like, hey, let's go catch up upstairs. And he's very, like, trying to play it cool. Like, oh, yeah, okay. But you can tell it's, like, he's been dreading her asking that question, like, the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, this movie doesn't establish, like, what their relationship really is, um, like, explicitly. Like, you just, you know there's some level of, like, of familiarity, like, super familiarity there. But then that's, like, when they have this conversation, she established, like, it establishes, oh, that's, this is his mom. He has been raised by his aunt and uncle his whole life. And she has no idea what he's doing with his life. And she's trying to come back into his life. And he will not look her in the eye. And she's trying to 
it's almost like an over-familiarity on her part. Like, she's trying to yes. be like, oh, I know the real you, you know. And, and like, that's so fun. Like, this part got me this time because, like, I have, as I've talked about a million and one times, have a very, like, bad relationship with my dad. And, um, you know, when my dad and I have made up in the past, it's been, like, kind of like that a little bit where like I can't make eye contact and he tries really hard to be like oh yeah you love horror movies and like tries to be super familiar and pull those things like well I know what you like and no one else does kind of situation and it's Mm. like so deeply awkward because like you know they're trying but they don't know you at all and you don't know what to do about it and you don't want to be rude but you're also really mad at them at the same time and it's like such a weird mental place to be in and this movie this I saw I watched the first time I watched this movie I hadn't stopped talking to my dad and now I have so I think that shed a little bit of an, a different perspective on it too like not that my dad is like Krisha but there's just like some stuff that I experienced between what the, these viewings that kind of changed my perception of some of these conversations sure it's really difficult to watch uh, he's so he's so obviously angry but he keeps answering like she's like are you mad at me he's like nope like you know uh it's so upset and it's upsetting because you know he's he's got a really good reason to be angry and it seems like she's tried to contact him previously and he plays it off like oh yeah you know just really busy like the thing that you would say to like a co-worker who asks you like i don't know literally for me anything about my life (laughs) i don't give them anything (laughs) you get nothing Uh, from me nothing nothing at all um nothing at all we're just like yep but like just really busy you know and he he clearly wants to like shut this down as fast as possible but he's trying to be polite And I think that he's trying to be polite so he doesn't set her off. Yes. But also possibly so he doesn't set himself off. Because it does seem like once he reaches that point and lets himself say exactly what the fuck he wants to say, it's gonna hurt really bad and he'll probably go in really hard. Well, and again, like, something I've experienced in the past of, like, being really awkward because I didn't want to trigger my dad, but I also didn't want to trigger anger in myself. And I, I, I don't like being angry because my dad has a lot of anger. So I don't like feeling that emotion. Mm-hmm. And so like, again, this like hit in, ter- in terms of trying to like keep it together to both not trigger your parent, but also not just like put yourself in a really shitty place. And I also identified with, like, this whole, like, she's like, are you mad at me? And it just feels, like, incredibly manipulative kind of situation. Like, yeah, I'm fucking mad at you. Like, why the fuck wouldn't I be mad at you? But you can't, like... Right. It's not polite to be like, like, yeah. Yeah, like, I am fucking mad at you for a lot of shit. And also the whole, like, not answering phone calls. Like, I've also done that where it's like, oh, sorry, I'm just super busy. Slash, I cannot talk to you because if I do, I'm, like, spiral for days and, like, am put in the worst headspace of my life. Mm. And something else about this scene is, like, it's another um, instance of, like, the objective 
camera work. Yeah. Um, and it again is like we're getting that uh, background for both of them at once. Or maybe not background, but their own point of view of the situation. Like for her, and by that I mean like we feel for both of them. Like, so for Krisha, obviously we feel for her a little bit. We're following her the whole time, but also we see how she has done the work and is actually sober. Like she has, uh, you see like through, throughout the beginning of the movie, she has like a big box for all of her prescriptions and Mm -hmm. she so meticulously counts them out and then writes them down to hold herself accountable. So she doesn't you know uh abuse anything yeah so like we can see that she's actually really trying whether we don't know how she was before for the last 10 years but we know in this moment she cares about her family she wants to do right by them she wants to make up for the things that she's done in the past and she wants to be sober really bad and she she also calls her boyfriend who maybe i i don't know if he's maybe a sponsor also i think Traditionally, your sponsor is supposed to be the same sex as you. Um, But she seems to be trying to get a hold of him for support. And obviously she had said something. They got in a fight. uh, So he just keeps not answering. But that's just another, like, example of her reaching out for help so that she stays sober because she can feel herself getting to a dark place. And then for him, it's like we see... Like, she abandoned him. Yep. For at least 10 years, if not longer, you know, emotionally or or physically. Maybe she was around and he was really being taken care of by these other people, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, yeah, of course he's mad. I'm mad. Why did you do that to him? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, the fuck kind of are you mad question is that? Come on now. But, like, yeah. I just feel like people in those situations, like, and, they, and this is me being biased about, like, my own experience of people, of, like, being Trey instead of her, but, like, wanting to find some kind of, like, forgiveness, because they know they fucked up and they don't know how to maybe ask for it in the right way yet. And that's, like, no one's fault. It's just a fucked up situation. <laughs> And you're just like, I'm fucking mad at you. And like, I don't want to be mad at you, but you're, you've fucked me up. And she like knows she's fucked up, but doesn't want to acknowledge. I don't know. It's like very charged. If I'm making any sense at all. You are. And it's like, um, not only does she not know how to ask for help, but she's also not willing to accept that or not help, um, forgiveness, but she's also not willing to accept that maybe she's not going to get forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think she also, I think she's, I also don't think that she takes full responsibility for her actions either. I think she tries to. I think she tries to. I think she thinks she does. And, you know, we don't know how, like, she's pretty early in her recovery process. So, like, you know, I, I know that it's a long fucking process and that, like, depending on how early she was in that, she might not have fully, like, accepted, like, the responsibility of, like, the effects of some of her actions. And, like, that's just part of it. But I think especially, like, 
what really got to me or what made me think of that is like when she comes downstairs and I'm like, dude, what the fuck is this bottle of wine in your bathroom? And she's like, it's Doyle and like blames it all on him. Yeah, immediately. Like, like no immediately hesitation. no hesitation. And like it just again, just kind of shows like she's but she's like pushing back into old ways of like not taking responsibility and being like, No, like I'm not I'm it's not me. It's not my fault. Like all of you, fuck all of you. Like this is why I'm the way I am because of you guys. Mm-hmm. Or it's like someone else's fault. I don't know. And not saying like faulting her for that, but just more like it's a thing that happens in the movie quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and it's a thing that happens with addicts, just in general. Yeah. Like yeah. unfortunately. And like I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. Like that yeah. is something that happens when you're in active addiction. And sometimes it's something that happens when you're out of active addiction, because that's what you've learned. If you were in active addiction when you were really young, especially, like you might just be there for a little bit. You know? Yep. Yeah. And it sucks to say, but like a lot of the times that's how it's like a coping mechanism or a survival instinct. You know, it's just like deflect the blame, get the yeah. attention away from you so you can keep using. And yeah. It's, it's really hard to see because when she first comes in, I think that she is accepting like, um, responsibility for the things she's done to some extent. We also don't know how long into her recovery she actually is. We're assuming yeah. that it's pretty soon, but they never say. And she, the only indication that it may be longer than we think is that she tells Doyle she stayed away while she was healing herself. And we know she was away for 10 years. Yeah. And like, or that could have been like, maybe she stopped and started a bunch. You know what I mean? Like, relapsed. I think that's and... probably what it was. Yeah. Like... You know, it's not a smooth, linear journey with that kind of thing. Right. And and in fairness to her, it's really hard, I think, um, when you're in the life, like, of an addict. Like, um, you as a non-addict, you know, because um, it's very easy to think that dropping that person or no longer supporting them is the answer like if they do relapse Mm -hmm. but unfortunately relapse is a really large part of of recovery like a lot of people will relapse i don't know the exact statistics but it's a high number yeah it's it's pretty fucking common that it happens yeah and it seems like her family is kind of at their wits end with it which understandable like i have been there yeah and like uh, that's a that's a hard thing when you think about it like with addiction and like not wanting to abandon somebody but like at what point and like leave them and when they are in need and when they're like needing something but it's always like what when is too much you know like where's the boundary like what is that boundary and that's a really fucking hard question to answer boundary is the exact word like for what is the boundary so that you survive yeah exactly because like you know know, you can't let other people live while you're drowning or whatever the hell that phrase is like one can't live while the other survives something like that like don't oh don't like drown yourself to save others or whatever but 
Yeah. Okay, I stole mine from Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just so sad. <laughs> yeah, and and you know we're also new to the situation in this movie, right? So like, it's easy for me to sit here and be like. Well, come on, she's trying, give her a chance. But it's like, we don't know how many times she did this. And not for nothing, as the tray of the situation, like in real life, um, I don't think that, uh, first of all, I am not someone who thinks that you need to love or forgive your parents because they're your parents. I've never thought that, I never will. Some parents do not deserve your forgiveness and you don't have to give it to them. You can, like, move on mentally, but, like, you do not have to forgive someone. Like, I I know people always say, like, but it's, like, healing for you. No. Like, I don't think that's true. I I agree with that. I don't think that that's healing at all. I think that's you trying to make yourself feel better and be polite about a situation that really, like, you don't know anything about. Yep. You know, like, whenever someone says that to me, I'm like, okay, like, clearly you were not around. All, all the time. Like, why don't you fix things with your dad? Like, it's your, like, you know, you should fix it. He's never going to say anything. I'm like, well, that's the fucking point. Like, he's never going to say anything, and he's never going to apologize. And, like, why would I want to include, like, continue to interact with someone like that? You know, it's just, like, it's the most frustrating thing in the world when someone tells you that. And you're like, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like, you think you're being helpful, but really, I just want to, like, kind of punch you in the nose. Which, like, obviously is not the mature way of handling it. But I hate when people try to tell me that. Like, including my own family. Like, aren't you going to regret it? I'm like, no, I regret not cutting them off sooner. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. Jesus. You know, you're the kid. Like, you're an adult, but, like, you're his child. And I don't understand why, I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand why it's your responsibility when, why, for, okay, so for me, it's like, why would I try to repair the relationship when it's like, you wanted the relationship, like, you had a kid. (laughs) Like, you know, so, like, why is it You did this to you, buddy, like, Yeah. Yeah, I I just will never understand that. And maybe that's something for me to, like, think more about. But I'm pretty firm in my stance. And that doesn't just apply to parents. I don't think you have to forgive people. Like, if somebody does something unforgivable to you, you... I mean, I'm not saying be bitter and hold a grudge. I'm saying, you know... Maybe that's your survival instinct kicking in and being like, or your intuition or something. And, and it's your brain's way of being like, hey, you do not need this person. Like, we don't need it. You know, I don't know. Fucking something to think about a, from me to you. A fucking men, though. And I've been learning that with certain things going on in my life right now that, like, actually, you don't owe this person any explanation as to why you're mad at them. And, like, you don't have to, like, fix things. You're yeah, allowed I mean, to be mad. Yeah, you're allowed to feel your feelings. I mean, I'm the per- I'm the kind of person where typically I will tell you why I'm mad and that I will, like, not talk to you ever again. Like, I don't yeah, that's know. Kind of, that's kind of how I'm, what I'm like. And, like, I try to fix things. Like, hey, this is why I'm upset. And they're like, uh, I don't care. And I'm like, all right, bye. Like, yeah, because I don't have time to care if you don't care. Yeah, no, I don't have time for that shit. Who do you think I am? 
And anyway. So relating it to this movie, like, um, I understand why Trey doesn't want to look her in the eye. I understand why Trey didn't want her to come, which which is revealed later on. Yeah. Um, I understand why Trey snaps back and is like, hey, have you... Because the whole, the whole thing of that scene is she's trying to be inspirational uh, in a way that she has not earned the right to be to him. Like, yeah. she's trying to say... First of all, he's in his last semester or last month or something of of college, and she's like, you don't have to go to business school just because they want you to go to business school. Uh, you're a really talented filmmaker, and you should be going to film school. And to me, a person who feels like I will never escape being in school, um, I'm like, he's in his last month or whatever. Just let him be in business school, please. Like, you want him to start over again? <laughs> that's the solution in your brain yep um but he he takes it in and he's like yep yep well uh i haven't really done anything lately and she's like trying to be a mom figure to him and and that's what i mean by inspirational like she's like well since you were a child you've been filming things with your camera and you're really good at it you should go to film school and then he kind of snaps after like taking it for a while and he's like have you ever thought that maybe i wanted to go to business school and it's not like them forcing me like you don't know me well yeah you know a six-year-old version of me well yeah and like that continues on at the end when she's like she says to robin or which in this big last fight where like you just want to be like them like you're trying to you you want to be like them you're trying to make them you're trying to like take them away from me and it's like trying to be like you're being a normie almost like you're being normal Mm -hmm. and like them and that's not what you're meant to be and he's like fuck off like what what do you mean like what's wrong with being like them and it's like that's heartbreaking where she's just like desperately trying to cling on to something of connect some kind of connection to her kid and he's like and he just keeps denying her at every turn and he's like stop trying to connect with me like it's not gonna work and it's like, where did being a free spirit who does whatever they want, where did that get you? <laughs> Why would he yeah. hmm. aspire to that when <laughs> like you, you're in your 60s, as Doyle has said, and you are still battling something? Like, why would he want to possibly emulate that? Yeah. You know? So I get it. I get it, Trey. <laughs> I wouldn't go to business school. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. A little too far for me. So do you want to start getting into the end of it? Yeah, let's do it. And I feel like we've like I feel like we've discussed a lot of this movie, but we've skipped a lot. But I think the reason why it feels like that is because so much of this movie is just fo- like literally following Kresha around, like uh, watching her and watching her watch everyone. Yeah. Not so much dialogue. Um, yeah. Just and like, like hearing the sounds that we were talking about. Yeah. It's like, it's a very much like an experiment thing, experiential situation. Like, as in like you are experiencing the world with her. You're not. Right. And it's like, and before we jump into this, it is a pretty, 
like mundane thing if you think about it like it's making thanksgiving it's like a pretty standard snapshot of a family but the way the film is shot is it feels like a fucking nightmare especially and this is getting into the end this will be like the segue when she drops the fucking turkey when she's wasted the way they frame that turkey like steaming on the floor and like dropping is so fucking scary like it's framed like a horror movie when you see her open the you she opens the oven and like slowly pulls the turkey out and you see her like kind of holding it but it's a little bit shaky and you know something's about to happen but she gets it to the counter and then all of a sudden you see it start to slowly tip and then the camera cuts to on the floor and you see a little stream of gravy pop out and all of a sudden it becomes like a, a waterfall and then the turkey just splats on the ground like it's an incredible sequence with the turkey For real it is and fucking incredible you just want to scream when she goes to grab it because you see earlier in the movie when she's stone cold sober she tries to lift that turkey by herself <laughs> and it and the one lady comes over to help her and she goes doesn't she say it's like a 36 pound turkey I couldn't remember how big she said it was, but she said I didn't realize how how heavy it was going to be. Like, she did say, I was like, I did not know how heavy this fucking turkey was going to be. Yeah, so you already know she's struggling with it before. Now add on the fact that she's, like, drunk for the first time in a really long time. Oh, I was thinking about that. Like, oh, girl, you're drunk for the first time in a while, I bet. And that's got to be a weird fucking feeling because you just chugged a lot of of red wine. Like, uh oh. (laughs) But yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, All the mundane things in this movie are framed to be really overwhelming because all of the mundane things are really overwhelming to Kresha. And I love that. Like, just even just the inside shot of the oven is like frame is exactly how you said frame like a horror movie or um, just like watching people watch football is like off putting. Or yep. not, or watching people play like a card game or Mad Libs or whatever the fuck they're doing, and it's like, like just really unsettling, like the yes. whole thing. And for the record, I would consider this a horror movie. I wanted I to would, yeah. talk about. I, that. I also consider it a horror movie. To me, it's like, how could you not? Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're one of the kinds of people who thinks like horror movies are just like movies that are meant to shock and scare you like jump scares and stuff which i'm not anti-jump scare i'm saying there are people who only think those are horror movies yeah as opposed to like a a sense of dread well i'm like I love it when movies like this that are like, a, it seems like a standard family drama about a Thanksgiving dinner can be turned into horror movies just with how things are framed and the perspective that the camera takes with one of the characters. Like, it's really fascinating to see what can be horror because it's not, you know, it's just, a, it's Thanksgiving dinner, but Thanksgiving dinner is a scary fucking thing. It certainly so, can be. Yeah. So, and uh, especially if you're like, uh, if you're focused on your recovery and every single thing seems triggering for no reason. Yeah. Scary shit. Yep. Turns out recovery is hard. Yep. We see, uh, we kind of touched on it before. Uh, she, Kresha gets triggered and goes up to her. First of all, this house I don't understand the fucking layout of this house. Like, it seems That's very his tiny real and... house. 
Oh, is it it's, really? Well, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's a it's it's a cosmic horror. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that house. Black hole. Um, it's so huge. There's like a guest loft upstairs, which I would like to rent one day. Um, but she goes up there. She has stolen the bottle of wine that she finds when she's eavesdropping, as she's doing throughout the movie, uh, on uh, Trey and his father. She's watching them, and she goes through the drawers, finds a hidden bottle of wine. Obviously, they have hidden all the alcohol from her, which I'm sure did not help her feel normal, you know? Because, <laughs> yeah. They're going, they're being extra. So. Nothing says I, su- I support you and I trust you, like hiding all of your wine bottles around the house. Yeah, it's really sad. But also, I understand it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she has stolen that. She goes up to her room. She struggles with the cork in the wine bottle, which is um, and kind of an unsettling scene <laughs> because you're watching her try to get this bottle open you don't know if it's going to smash it's a really nice uh house <laughs> you don't want it to get messed up she also like is missing part of, a f- of her finger and you don't find out why but like watching her stab a pair of scissors into the top of the bottle makes you think like jesus christ this woman has already hurt herself once before like what is she going to do again at least i thought that in my head like oh, i assume she had diabetes oh i just i assumed that she had gotten drunk and hurt herself <laughs> That's terrible well, of me. I think the reason I went there is because my aunt, um, the one I was really close to, she had diabetes and she lost the tip of her finger also. Oh. So I'm like used to seeing that. And she would wrap it sometimes like how Krisha does. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh my God. We didn't even talk about when she gets her finger wrap stuck inside in the In the turkey and the guy is watching her and is like, what the fuck? I was like, <laughs> like ma'am. <laughs> and the guy like, the one kid is watching her and he's like oh my god yeah this face he got he grabs his mouth like it's the grossest thing he's ever seen i'm like oh everybody relax it was i was dying like his face was so fucking funny when she pulled it out that was turkey. me <laughs> that was me i don't know the logistics of her like wearing gloves but i'm like i wish she was wearing gloves it seems like, easier like, for her too. Just to be clear with everybody, it didn't like it didn't look like super fresh. It didn't look like it was gross or like she was getting fluids or anything into. I'm sorry, this is repulsive how I'm describing this, but it the, didn't the, look um, wrap. It was like bloody. It was. I thought it was just covered in turkey juice. Oh, I thought it was blood. I don't know. Listeners, don't know. again, tweet who us knows? And vote if you think it's turkey juice or blood. Human blood or turkey blood, but anyway, I guess her finger isn't bleeding. But I thought yeah. maybe it was like, um, like stained from the, oh, like I... uh, ointment. Mayhap. Listeners, can you tweet us and let us <laughs> vote whether or not it's ointment or turkey? <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah. So she struggles with the cork. Um, she finally finds like a mini pair of scissors stabs the wine bottle and up to this point it's all like jumbled uh, the score is all jumbled sounds and it's really overwhelming it's like building and building she finally gets the cork open a round of applause is heard 
And then a nice, calm jazz song starts while she starts chugging away at that bottle. Yep. Oh, boy, that scene. And you yep. just want to be like, no! She's, like, smack it out of her fucking hand. Like, no, fuck! Like, and you can, as soon as she, like, puts it down, you can kind of see on her face, she's like, fuck. Well. Yeah. I did it. So I guess it's just, like, what's happening now? It's go time now. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, well, I already did it, so I might as well just, like, you know, keep the momentum going. Yeah, like that all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And she's, like... I mean, her brain is obviously calm for the first time. That's why we're hearing that music that makes sense. Yeah. And it's just so upsetting. And you know it's going to get worse. Yeah, you're like, oh, all right. Well, here comes, like, like the sh- like because the whole time you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then it does. And you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And it just goes <sighs> completely downhill. Like, it just fucking plummets. Yeah, so she goes downstairs, and that's when the turkey thing happens, and she's sort of a fucking mess all over the floor. Um, she gets like asked where she got the wine, which the those scenes where she's watching them talk about her, she looks really scary. Oh, it's yeah. Oh God, like especially she has like a Grinch smile. Well, and like she's watching, she's like look, like behind a wall watching them talk, and then there's they cut to the grandma sitting by herself at the head of the table, and I'm just like, mm. this is some weird, creepy vibe, like a weird, like out, like just disc- disconcerting vibes. Disconcerting. That's a good word, and it's a perfect word for this moment. Thank you. Finally, a word I like around here. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like that whole thing of her, like like the of her watching, it's just like, oh god, it's just, yep, that's my professional assessment. <laughs> <laughs> then her, uh, she gets in an argument. Like Doyle starts screaming at her because she's blaming everything on Doyle. She's saying it's <laughs> Doyle's bottle. She's saying Doyle's drinking all day, and no one ever says anything to him about it. And he's like really mad. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, dude. And I was like, ugh. He's got a lot of good lines and good, like, words that he uses. He really does. Like, he really fucking lays into her. When, like, she triggers him, he's just like, no, man, I'm not upset. Like, laying down, letting you talk this shit to me. And I'm like, good for you. But also, oh, God, that's not a good thing to say to a person who isn't. Even when she's sober, he does it. Yeah. Like he, he says, like, you're a heartbreak incarnate and you're an abandoned that's, ear. That's right. I'm, that's what he said. And I was like, Jesus Christ, maybe save that one for a little later in the day. <laughs> or just for don't real. say it at all. Like, maybe just keep that one to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then so when she drops the turkey, he's like screaming at her and he's like uh, calling her young lady, which made me laugh. Um, I mean, he's he's not super young either but uh he's probably younger than her yeah and he's like choose your words very delicately young lady <laughs> oh my favorite is when they're putting the, the food into the trash can and he's like stop asking what we're gonna eat what we're gonna eat is not in that trash can right there and it's just like <laughs> yeah. and he's just like and it's really upsetting when she drops a turkey because everyone's like um scrambling to help her because they don't realize she's drunk yet but I think he immediately knows that something's wrong because he, like, does that bitter, loud laugh 
that we were yep. talking about. Um, yes. You know, where yes. it's like clearly faked. Like you want everyone to hear you laughing. Yep. And he's like, I know exactly. It's like he like clocks exactly yep. what's going on. As he's soon like, as I fucking happened. knew it would happen. I fucking knew it. Which is so sad. It is because you hate. Like, if you're Doyle, you hate to be proven right, but, like, this is what you expected, and it's kind of, again, another, like, uh, not survival, but, you know, survival tactic so that you can protect your brain. Yeah, like, you you act, like, hardened by it because you don't want to face the reality of being as upset as you are that what you were so terrified of is actually coming to fruition. Right, it's easier to be sad, or it's easier to be angry than sad. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, God. <sighs> so then Robin escorts her upstairs and kind of has like a calm talk with her. And it's like, you know, I'm really disappointed. No one hates you. You didn't like ruin everything for good. But like, I'm really upset. I thought that you were sober. Were you lying to me? Were you telling the truth? How long were you sober? Because I really don't think you were now. And they're just kind of having, like, a calm talk about it. But then... <laughs> well, she, they're having this calm talk about it, but then, like, Krisha has to vomit, and she basically... And Rob and her sister basically was like, I think it's best if you leave. Like, mm. I defended you to everybody. I thought that you were going to be better. You basically... She's basically like, you know, you look like a dick. It's time for you to go. Does she ask her to leave or just basically, like, stay up here? Or maybe stay up here. I thought I thought she asked her to go, but it was basically like, "Don't come downstairs." Like, yeah, don't you just stay away from us? Basically, like it's time for you to just like stay up here and like not do anything. So of course she doesn't listen. Yeah, why would she? And she goes downstairs, <laughs> and they're all at the uh, table, like laughing and talking. And as soon as she appears, it's like dead silent, and she kind of starts like. Being like, hey, I'm good now. Can I sit at the table? And they're like, no. Like, please leave. Like, I told you not to come down here. Go away. Yeah. And then she kind of is getting, like, she's trying to get Trey to talk to her. And he won't. So she goes upstairs and is watching, like, home movies, uh, like the synopsis said. But And she, like, falls asleep, wakes up again. And then... Or I don't know. It might that might happen right before she comes downstairs. But I think it's before because like she wakes yeah. up and it's like, is she sober or is she still fucked up? Right, right, right. You're right. But then we see that like everything we had just seen was not the truth. Yep. So okay, that's how I okay, that's how I read it. I because the way the synopsis read that she went down twice, but I read it as like she completely misread what happened to her situation. Yeah. Well, because the same. Like, her sister says the exact same words, but in a different tone of voice. Yeah, like, fuck you. It's like you. you hear it how she actually said it. Like, to Krisha, yeah. the first time, she's like, I'm really disappointed. And she's, like, crying. But this time, she's like, I'm disappointed. I've had enough of you. I was, like, screaming at her and, like, get the fuck out of my house. Like, yeah. it's not it's not kind. It is very much like, I'm fed the fuck up. Get, like, stop this asinine behavior. And then, if you think that's the worst part, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. Do you want to talk about it? What, when she grabs her, like, starts throwing shit and grabs her by the head? And, like, is basically 
telling the, Trey that yeah uh, he basically yeah she like he comes came like, out of her yeah like starts screaming at him like he came out of me like I'm your mother you just tell me you love me like I deserve to hear it from you and is like demanding love and like attention from him and he's like absolutely the fuck not and then she starts throwing things at the table like grabbing things off the table and throwing it screaming she grabs her sister by the head and then everyone just like grabs everybody and is like get her the fuck out of here and like her son like throws her out of the house and he disowns her he's like i'm not your son anymore. i'm not your son anymore and also this is the first time we actually for sure find out their relationship yes i mean yeah we've seen movies before so we can guess that she's actually his mom but uh i don't think you're supposed to know that like they never explain yeah they never explicitly state it right until until that until that very moment yeah right i forgot about that Ugh, and then it gets worse (laughs) god and then like and as if like we weren't gone through like enough emotional turmoil like it cuts and then so the film opens with this like kind of time lapse of her face going from a smile to like crying and then at the end it's the reverse of that and it's her going from crying to smiling not a full smile not a full a smile. smile like a, like like kind of like a smirk to me i always interpret it as like she's her eyes are like begging us for help yeah, like she's trying to keep it together. And she even says that in her phone call to her ex-boyfriend. She's like, you know, no one is here for me when I need help. Like, I needed help really bad. And now I'm, I fucked up. Well, she doesn't say this, but she's like, and now I am, I ruined my sobriety because I was reaching out for help and I didn't get any. And so, well, like, yeah. you got it. No, that the hard part of that too, that that, that scene is like, Again, she's not taking responsibility. Like, yeah, it's really, it, it is fucking terrible. But, like, she was trying to reach out for help and didn't get the answer, the phone call answer that she needed. And, like, she was trying to get the help. But then the fact that she's like, fuck you for ruining my, like, my sobriety is another example of her, like, mm-hmm. not fully taking responsibility for her actions. Like, yeah, she didn't, he didn't answer. But also, like, it's not his fault that he couldn't talk. Because, one, like, they'd obviously gotten into a fight beforehand and he probably did not want to talk to her. She like, clearly said something really terrible to him because she yes. half half assed apologizes for it. Yes, like early in the movie, she says like I'm so sorry or whatever, but not even I'm so sorry. She but said like, I didn't mean what I said. Yeah, so it's like why the fuck would he answer? And then she just left this horrible voicemail of just like I fucking hate you, I regret knowing you, like fucking die, like very aggressive, like kind of manipulative behavior of when like someone knows they fucked up but don't want to accept the consequences kind of thing and they just lay it on you and like it's all your fault and you're like all right buddy sure yeah well it's easier to blame someone else than to realize yeah that you got yourself into this fucking mess yeah exactly but then they, like that's like the saddest thing like, another sad part is like you know that she doesn't probably mean this but she's angry and obviously she's a very angry person like when she tries to choke her dog oh my god i always have to look away i don't she's even like, think she the... tries to choke him does she she it, like, just like, like shakes like... him yeah she like gra- I don't know, she grabs him very aggressively because he keeps growling at her for cuddling and she's like don't fucking growl at me and like grabs him by like the head and it's like oh jesus christ oh good lord but then because dogs are so good he like tries to cuddle her after 
Yeah, that part's fucked up. I don't like it. Oh, I hate it. Anyway. Her, her anyway. So um, yeah, that's really upsetting to me. <laughs> and, like, disturbing. I always have to look away from it. Even though it's, like, a half a second, I just don't like it. It's just, it's, like, it's just indicative of, like, how sick she is and, like, how angry she is. And how, like, the kind of shit that she's willing to pull like that she's not she might not like fully have control over but that also snaps her out of it too because she realizes oh fuck i just like shook my dog like and she feels bad that's always so hard in the situations where it's like oh you realize what you did was bad but you still did it (laughs) like but (sighs) yeah yeah this movie's fucked we've talked longer than the actual runtime of this movie we have but <laughs> what I wanted to say about the end is that um, not only do I like interpret it as her like pleading with us for help, I interpret it as her dying at the end. Oh, do you really? Oh, I've interesting. always thought that she dies at the end because oh, really? she because she starts snorting those pills at the end um, oh, and is having t- flashbacks. Vodka. Yeah, yeah, and she's she's chugging. Uh, the vodka and she's having flashbacks to like moments of her life and like memories of the different people in the house and then she stares at the camera shuts her eyes and it fades to white Hmm. to me that reads death huh huh and i want to say I should have read the piece that I wrote, but I think I might say that in there. And I want to say possibly maybe that it was confirmed. Oh. Okay. Okay. I'll have to, if anyone gives a shit, I'll have to update later. But you don't, you don't see it that way. It didn't even cross my mind. Oh. That's an yeah. interesting reading, though. I Yeah, I just... I don't know what I thought. I think I just thought it was, like, the cycle starting over. Hey, maybe. Yeah. And again, I like, like this that, is, I think this is, a, this is a movie where, like, it doesn't always give you straight answers. We should just put a blanket statement that probably none of the movies we cover will give us straight answers no and the two of us are just gonna like pretend we know what we're talking about slash we do we're smart fuck off i'm gonna say we're smart i am fully pretending but you're smart hey you're smart thanks anyway <laughs> anyway <You're> smarter. <laughs> listeners text uh tweet T- us text, and tell us text, smarter. text me who's text smarter. me directly <laughs> My number is. My number is eight five six. Oh god. Um. So, is there anything else? I think we've. I'm think really we've... glad that you like this movie upon rewatch. I understand why someone wouldn't like it, and it's it honestly is really overwhelming. So I understand why it's a watch once never again, type of deal. Yes. For a lot it is, of people, it still is a watch once never again for me. Like I watch, I'm, I'm glad I watched it again, but I don't, I still don't think I ever uh, want to watch it again because it's just, it's fucking rough. It Beautifully is. made. It's just, it's just so well made that it's hard to watch. Amen. Amen. Did you see Spencer yet? No, not yet. <laughs>
Okay. I'm just interested to see if you understand what I mean when you see Spencer, that I think these movies are alike. Mm, yeah, I have. I have not watched it yet, but I will. Keep me posted. I will. Um, is there anything else about this movie? I don't think so. I think we covered all the things that I took notes on for it. I'm going to give this a disturbometer seven. Yeah, I agree with the seven. Like, I can watch it again. It's just a difficult watch every time. Yeah, I won't watch it again. But it's not like on this. It's not the same level as a lot of the other stuff we've watched. It's like emotionally fucked up more than like overtly fucked up. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Shouts out to Trey Edward Schultz and Creesha Fairchild and their whole dang family and all their friends and everyone else involved with this movie because it's so good. It's a really good example of indie filmmaking and low-budget filmmaking. So, A+. A+. What, pray tell, are we covering next week? So next week, we are going to be changing it up a little bit. We're still doing addiction, but we're actually going to be watching Stephen McQueen's Shame, which is about sex addiction. A movie I have never seen. I have actually never seen it either. Okay. But I've heard very, very good things about it. Michael Fassbender is in it, so another movie with him in it. Um, this fucking guy. Yeah, apparently it's an incredible performance. This was, um, I think, this was before a lot of shit like came out about him being a bad guy. But not that that changes anything. But yeah, so we'll be watching that for next week. Really, uh, really getting posy over here. <laughs> well, I think I have a slightly more upbeat thing in mind that I'm not sure I'll pick. But so don't lose hope, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. It's it's supposed to be incredible, and Carrie Mulligan's in it too, so love her, love her. So I am excited, as excited as you can be for these movies. Well, sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you for enduring this. <laughs> yes, thank you all. Yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of Watch Once Never Again. Um, make sure to send us an email at podcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for films we should be covering or directors that we should be covering. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at WonaPodcast, at W-O-N-A podcast. And make sure to follow me and Dax on Twitter. I'm at M.B. McAndrews. I'm at Daxie Bobbin. Um, and please, guys, if you haven't, please leave us uh, a rating. Please uh, write a little review for us. Please subscribe. Uh, subscribe, I guess. Follow whatever on whatever platform. It really helps us out. I love so, how that always kicks your ass every it time. It always kicks my ass every time. And I have two podcasts. Like, you think I'd fucking... I do the outros for both, and I still can't <laughs> fucking get it right. Um, but... Yeah, guys, leave us a review. Uh, it's the holidays, so give us a little gift by leaving a review, giving us a little bit of a, ra- a little rating, give us a little boost out there. But thanks every again, everyone, for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully it isn't like Krisha's, and if it is, um, we love you, and I'm sorry. 
And don't tell us about it because we're sad enough. Yeah, I don't want to know. Keep <laughs> 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 betcha to yourself. Just kidding. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.